0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Startup from Scratch. Today, we have a really, really special guest. Uh, Her name's Catalina, and she comes with a really, really interesting story. Um, Kennedy, I know you've talked to Catalina, uh, briefly in the past, so I'll, I'll let you introduce her. Uh, today we're going to be talking about traction and customer acquisition. Um, and, uh, you'll, you'll know right away why this is a really special guest and a really special story, uh, from, from Kennedy's intro and, um, Catalina's story. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, Catalina. We're really excited to have you and hear your incredible story. Uh, and founder journey, and uh, without any further ado, Kennedy, over to you.
1: Yeah. So wow, there's so much to say about Catalina, and I'm super excited about having her on the podcast for a lot of reasons. Um, I try to always keep these intros brief to to let our guests speak for themselves. So I'll I'll hold it to this. Uh, Catalina was born in Chile and raised in the United States, and she is the founder and CEO of Catan Pisco. And this actually makes her both the first woman in Chile's history to own her own Pisco company and the owner of the first U.S.-focused Pisco brand. Uh, And this is really just one of so many ways that Catalina has navigated owning two cultures. Uh, So really excited to hear more from her and her perspective. So uh, Catalina Bence, please tell us more about yourself.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You make me sound so good, Kennedy. You you are. (laughs) Um, It's really good to be here, I'm excited to share my story um, and really just educate the world on what Pisco is. So before I talk a little bit about me, I just want to just kind of educate you a little bit more about what Pisco is. Um, As Kennedy mentioned, I come from Chile, which is where Pisco is naturally from, as well as Peru. So these are the only two countries where you can legally make Pisco and where you can actually call it Pisco. So if you were to distill any any spirit from, from any kind of fruit here in the United States, what would you ladies call that?
0: Vodka. I mean,
2: sure, <laughs> it would be brandy. It would be actually brandy. Brandy. So brandy, brandy comes from any distil. But, you know, funny enough, vodka does um, come with distillates from grapes, like Ciroc vodka just distilled a, a, a vodka from grapes. So you weren't oh, nice. wrong. I was close. You are very close. But brandy <laughs> is what we would call it here. What makes Pisco so special is that it's distilled 100% from grapes. You cannot use any other fruit. And it's the actual grape juice. Catan Pisco is distilled 100% from a very, very special grape called the Pedro Jimenez. And it's from a beautiful valley in Chile um, called Limari. And we're at the foothill of the Andes Mountains. So the natural irrigation from the rainfall goes down the mountains into the Um, into the valley and we get these beautiful beautiful notes of citrus fruit and stone fruit and everything like that that comes from our surrounding crops and that's what makes our pisco so delicious and award-winning and so that is a little bit about what pisco is you can drink it like a high-end vodka and if you've never had pisco I always tell people it kind of tastes like if vodka and tequila had a baby because it has a lot of really, really um, strong aromas, kind of like a tequila, but it has a really, really nice versatile and very complex at the same time feel like a vodka, but it's, um, it's definitely more aromatic and fruit forward than vodka. Vodka sometimes just gets too drowned out. When you're mixing, Catan Pisco is so worthy that you can sip on it, just like a nice tequila or a nice whiskey.
0: Where can uh, people buy your Pisco from?
2: Um, if you go to our website, we have um, in Illinois where we started and we launched two years ago, you can buy it from Binnies. And if you go to our website, www.catanpisco.com, it'll direct you to a state. If you live in that state, one of our retailers possibly could ship to you. We ship to around 38 states right now. Nice. Which is awesome. the easiest way. But if you live in Illinois or California, we are now um, starting to expand in California market through Total Wine & More.
0: You know, we'd usually do where, where to find you at the end of the episode, but I got really excited. So oh, cool. I had to ask.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All good. All good. So yeah, like Kennedy mentioned, I, I grew up in um, the United States in California, but my family moved from Chile when I was really, really young. Um, the political situation there at the time was not good. And it's funny how right now during the pandemic and even before the pandemic, Chile started having a lot, a lot of crises in the country. And it's starting to repeat itself, the history and how hard it is to live in that country. Um, But I'm so attached to my roots and so grateful at the same time that my family took the risk to move to this country. Because had they not done that, there's no way that I would be the first Chilean woman to own a Pisco company. I mean, when I told my family, and my dad is the beginning of my understanding of what machismo means and what machismo is... Um, I was not allowed to go to school for business, even though I knew very early on that I wanted to go into school for business. I wanted to own my own business. I must have been 12 years old when I started my first business. And um, it was just a cleanup crew to clean up after beaches. I brought people together. It was called the Friendship Club, you know, and it was (laughs) a business at 12 years old. I was like, we're going to go, we're going to go support the community. We're going to pick up trash and we're going to have meetings and we're going to see them get funding to pick up trash. Um, (laughs) And I, I knew really early Early on, that I just wanted to to be some sort of leader, but with a purpose, you know. Even at twelve, so I told my dad, I want to go into business because I saw what amazing, um, you know, business people can achieve—not just businessmen, but business women. So he said, "No, you're not going to school for business. You're going to go to school to help people. And your mother and I are both physical therapists, and your sister's going to school for social work. You need to do something to help people. And business is for selfish people." So I was like, well, that sucks. So I had to, and because my mom and dad were paying for college, naturally, I had to make them happy because they weren't going to pay for my school. And so I applied for psychology, went to school for that, didn't like it. I went back to get my master's. The closest thing to an MBA that I found was a master's in public policy and administration, an MPA. I ended up going to school for public administration instead of business administration. I loved every aspect of the business side. Of, for, for the public sector. Um, and then I still, um, you know, wasn't in business. But the second that I graduated, I got like a 4.0. I like loved getting my master's. I got a job in a startup. It was awesome. Nice. It was an executive assistant position. That's where I could start. And I remember my interview, Steve Rosone. it was called Active Storage. And he looked at my resume, which was very, very colorful. I had studied abroad in Africa. I lived in Spain. I went back to Chile for a year. Um, I had all the, these really interesting like, cultural experiences, and I was able to work in other countries. And he's just like, you could do anything you want. <laughs> like, Why do you want to be my assistant? And I looked at him in the eye, and I said, because, Steve, the only way for me to be the CEO of my own company is to work for one first. And, Mm -hmm. and he's like, well, I don't doubt that that's going to happen. He's like, you got the job. Like he hired me right away. I was convicted. I was convicted that that is my path. And I knew I was in the right place. I knew that that's where I belonged. I loved every minute of that. And it's because of Steve that I think he gave me the, he believed in me so much that I take him with me everywhere I go. And why I'm a businesswoman today. Like my father, as much as he believes in me now, Um, him telling me no was the biggest no and the first no that was going to set me up for the rest of the no's, you know, to come along the way. Um, So I ended up, um, I ended up moving to, um, I live in Chicago now. So I ended up dating, uh, I met a boy in Costa Rica. We ended up reconnecting two years later. I moved to Italy for a year. I worked in business. I ended up working for the Ferragamo family in fashion. I mean, I've done so many different things, but I knew I was going to end up in business. So I ended up dating this guy named Daniel Dan and I moved to Chicago and I only knew him for two weekends I said I know you're the one he asked me to move in with him after only knowing him for two weekends and I packed up my things from California and I moved in and I am now in Chicago and he is the reason why I feel like it was the right time for me to start my business because I was complete I had the man of my dreams, and the name Catan, by the way, Myrna. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but my friends call me Cat for Catalina. Mm. My husband, at the time, we had hat.:, I see it <laughs> for Dan, so Cat and Dan <laughs> is Catan. Oh, that's very sweet. And so I always say that Catan piece goes a love story in every bottle, you know. And I think it took me from like leaving the man of the house, which is my father, to find my life partner, my man to just complete me and to begin this next story, which I knew I always had it inside of me. I just needed, I needed that, um, the right timing of everything. And even the name, what's in a name? I mean, Catan is everything. And my husband completed that story and the beginning of my, my dream with my business. And so um, the concept actually, Catan Pisco, when I was thinking about, okay, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to do something. We were, it was the 4th of July, four years ago, actually, we just celebrated our free anniversary of the idea of Catan and we were driving home from Wisconsin. My husband's a cheese head. And I was like, all right, I'm so ready to start my business. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm super ready. I just don't know what it is. My, my parents were in town meeting my future in-laws. My God family was in town from Chile naturally, Chile was on my mind, like hardcore on my mind. And so finally, Mm -hmm. driving home, um, sometimes long drives or hot showers is where I get my best ideas or at 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm sure you both know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was looking out the window, staring outside at all the cows and the cow poop and just like playing with ideas. And I was like, Pisco, I have to bring Pisco to the USA. Because the one question that wouldn't leave my mind was, Somebody once told me, what needs to be done that hasn't been done? Like, that's when you know you have something good in a business. What needs to be done that hasn't been done? And that's the question that I must have asked myself that question for six years. until so I finally had an answer was on that trip home on the 4th of July. A month later, um, I became an LLC. And I told my, he was my boyfriend at the time. We weren't even engaged. I told Dan, I'm going to name my business Catan Pisco. So you better marry me. <laughs> Well, he followed. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I knew he was the one. There wasn't a doubt. Uh, I knew he was my life partner. So I, I, I mean, I named the business after our love story, and then I finally told my parents. I was like, I have some news. I'm starting my own business, and um, I'm going to find a way to bring Pisco here. And I hope you don't think that's crazy. My dad was like, Oh gosh, okay. I, I mean, I knew you'd do this eventually, something like this. And then my mom. I looked at my mom. I'm like, mom, do you think I'm crazy? And she said, she said, mija, which means my daughter in Spanish, mija, the only crazy ideas are the ones that are thought up of, but never acted upon. Aww. And then I just like meditated on that. And I was like, I got this. My mom is you right. got it. I got this. And then sure enough, this. two years later, we launched and I found a way to get my, um, my, my vi- the vineyard, the capsules, the design, everything just came together because of one magical chess piece, which was um, a brother that my dad had that he kept from us our entire life. And it turns out I had an uncle that I had no idea about until I decided to launch my business. Hmm. Yep. And I told my dad, okay, how am I going to be in Chicago and Chile at the same time? And my dad said, you need to connect with my brother. And I was like, I have an uncle. Sure enough, I did. <laughs> I had no idea. And I said, okay. I'm, I called him up. I said, hey, Theo, it's, I guess I'm your niece. i have never met you. I'm going to start a Pisco company. I was wondering if you wanted to help me and you know, kind of be my business partner. He's like, of course, we're family, whatever you want, I'll do it. I was like, okay, let's do this. I found a vineyard. It's four and a half hours away from Santiago. Can you get in a car? I'll pay for your gas. I'll pay for your hotel. Can you have a meeting? And let's start doing some Pisco tastings. And I mean, this man is just like, was heaven sent. There was no way I would have been able to be in Chile and Chicago at the same time, you know? And I mean, and another cool part about this story, not only was our family like blossoming and layers of our own family history started coming out, but my grandfather, who lives in California now, he um, has a, His name is Julio Gaete, and my father's name is Julio Gaete. And it turns out my uncle's name was also Julio Gaete. Wow! <laughs> and that's <laughs> incredible. And we have named a cocktail after my uncle called the Hidden Julio, which oh, is a delicious sweet. cocktail. And if it wasn't for Catan Pisco in my business, my grandfather. Um, he would have never been reunited. He has three kids, which I only knew of one, and my aunt. So my dad and my aunt. So it was because of Catan Pisco and our launch party when we launched in LA. Um, I flew my uncle in. My aunt came in, and my grandpa was reunited with his three kids after 30 years of being a apart. Wow, part of it. that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And that's all because of Catan Pisco. I mean, it's wow. It really crazy. sounds like this company was just meant to be. I feel, Uh, I really feel like it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. What an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, um, when Nina reached out about this episode, um, one of the things that she mentioned about you that was really exciting was how you've been navigating, you know, after, so, so drinking generally is a very social activity, right? Mm -hmm. You, you go out, you drink, um, and, not, not to say that it's not also an indoor activity because it is, but mostly I think when people are trying, you know, no, new alcohols, it's, it's done outdoors and, um, you know, you've managed to navigate marketing your business, uh, getting traction for your business, acquiring new customers through You know this pandemic, and that must have been something that's not easy to do. So, um, tell us a little bit more about
2: that. Yeah. So before the pandemic happened, we were ninety percent doing on-premise accounts. So on-premise in the industry are restaurants and bars. Off-premise is is retailers. So anything you could take off the premise, right? We were ninety percent of our revenue was on-premise, and then the second that everything shut down, I mean we we literally lost 90% of our business overnight. I was screwed. I was like, Oh, my gosh, like what is happening? And I mean, it was just a shock to especially the food and beverage industry, everybody, all of us, you know. And so I had a pivot. Um, I had to the first month I was just lost. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know how to function my business because I haven't been trained to be a virtual business. Like alcohol and spirits is a very, very personable. It's very relationship based. It's very, I mean, front forward, wet tastings, experiential, right? In person. Like that's how I I close my deals. So how is I going to shift? So I have an advisory board. Nina is one of them. And I mean, she's like, it's time. We need to do a channel. We need to get you in front of people. We need to do, uh, you need to get in front of the camera, which I didn't want to do. I am very self-conscious being in front and recorded is kind of uncomfortable being recorded, it's uncomfortable for me being in front of people. I'm a little bit more comfortable. Um, and I was like, crap, I, I need to make a shift and I need to start getting comfortable in my own skin. It's the only way we're gonna survive. So, the first thing I did was I started a, a Thirsty Thursdays live with the Pisco girl on Instagram, and right away we had really good traction and immediate ROI in California and Chicago. I was like, wow, this is really awesome. We even had Sheila following us, like our Chile. we have followers in Chile. We don't even sell our Pisco in Chile yet. And they're so excited one day that it'll arrive. So that was so cool. Yeah. Another thing I started doing was reaching out to like Facebook groups and just really, really connecting with local communities and basically begging them to please, please let me post on the community page so that I can self promote and just let the community know like, hey, we're local, we're female, minority business owned business that just lost everything. I was very, very vulnerable online. And eventually that worked. And we saw another a media ROI on that like right away, which was so incredible that we got these local communities to help us. And then we started doing, I started doing Zoom sessions and cocktail classes on Zoom with networking events and different networking groups. And so like all of these things helped us to get back where we left off and I'm still doing it, which is amazing. I mean, even this podcast right now, I'm so honored because I feel like this is now the time to do this, to share our voices virtually. Um, It's the way for businesses like me to keep thriving. And to be honest, the only way right now, because I can't do tastings, I I can't even go into a a restaurant or bar and do a tasting because people will look at you like, what are you doing here? You know, it's, it's an inconvenience. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very strange times. So now that we're hundred percent virtual with selling, like we have to do what we call dry tastings. We have to try to bring people through the camera and let them know what I'm experiencing with Catan, how I can drink it, how easy it is to make a two touch cocktail. One of my favorites is Catan and tonic. People are like, Whoa, I do that with vodka. It's that easy to drink. Education, education, mm. education. That when people start understanding what it is and how to drink it and, and then they get really, really curious and then those curious consumers become buyers and then building that brand loyalty begins once they hear our story. Like, whoa, well, they're not just Pisco, they're Pisco with a purpose, which is what our brand promise is. For every bottle we buy at the end of the year, we send money right back to Chile where it came from because they need our help as well.
1: That's awesome. I think one of the things that is of course very striking about your journey um is, is this the the dual cultural aspects, right? And navigating uh how to be true to yourself and being true to both of the cultures that you you still identify with, right? And so mm-hmm. I wonder if in some ways having already, you know, having grown up and 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 navigated life Navigating this ambiguity or this uncertainty zone between those cultures, I wonder how that influenced when we entered into the ambiguity zone of the shelter in place orders coming down, Mm -hmm. uh, where suddenly it was like, you were already navigating the two cultures in person. And then now you're adding almost like a double layer of that with the digital realm. Uh, And I'm, I'm curious how you feel that all of that came together.
2: Yeah, I want to share a story real quick about I want to go back to the machismo and how the cultures are so different, because I feel like here in the US, I, I do feel like women are gaining more respect, even though in this industry, we're very few and far between makers of women makers and the spirits industry are, it's very, very small percentage of us. Um, but we are being respected as entrepreneurs. In general, we have that respect now in Chile. Um, I was telling Kennedy the other day when we first talked that when I first went to Chile, uh, I had to go to a meeting because I wanted to finalize the recipe and look at the bottles. And so I flew to Chile to finalize everything. And I had one of the manufacturers talking to my uncle with his arms crossed and I was making all the decisions and he was just kind of looking at me from the corner with his arms crossed. And he said, so who is she, the representative? And my uncle's like, no, that's the owner of the company. He's like, oh. And so then he uncrossed his arms and then he came over to talk to me. I mean, like, I was like, wow, this was real. Like, I know my dad was very much small in, in the sense that, like, we had to play indoors, play with dolls, weren't allowed to go outside. I wasn't allowed to play soccer because soccer was for men, for boys. Um, but, like, my dad has now adjusted and assimilated to the times and, and how this country is just more accepting, right? Sheila's still definitely yeah. stuck. And so that was really interesting. Um, but to answer your question, like, I think now in the times, um, I, I, like, this is a whole new struggle. I've, I mean, it's funny because I have so many other struggles that were already on my plate between, like working with Chile, not being respected as a woman, trying to fight through that hurdle. And now working here in the industry where there's not a lot of women in the industry. If I think if I was a man, selling pisco would definitely be a lot easier. So it's already hard enough to try to get my voice heard, right? In the industry, but now there's a whole new hurdle of this pandemic where I'm not even allowed to go out. I mean, the restaurants and bars were closed. Like I, everything was gone. Everything was gone like overnight. And I mean Sh- sh- being shocked was like, I, that's not even a good word. And I mean, there's so many other, you know, uh, business owners that, I mean, have experiences or continue to experience this, but it was just like, the only way for me to get out of this, because I, I did suffer a little depression, was for me to change my attitude. And I needed to find a way to get positive, And I had to get positive fast, because that's when I thrive, when my attitude yeah. is good, when I'm feeling good. I can thrive with my business and I get busy. When I'm positive, I get busy. When I get busy, I succeed. So I needed to change my attitude and I started focusing. I I literally refocused on, okay, what do I have? I knew what I don't have, right? I I know what I lost, but what do I have? I still have a lot of curious consumers out there. I still have a lot of people interested in drinking and all the alcohol sales, to be honest, they went up like crazy, but they were all the bigger brands. I mean, Grey Goose, Absolute, all the huge distributors, Southern Glazers. I mean, Breakthrough, like there's so many huge, huge players. Their sales were, I mean, you guys saw the numbers, I'm sure, like even alcoholism went up during the pandemic because everybody was drinking at home. So how was I to disrupt this? Like how, how can I disrupt what's happening and take that, take advantage of it in my own way to survive. And then I just Mm -hmm. started, I I started being really unforgiving. I started being a really squeaky wheel. I started reaching out to everybody. Um, I mean, to the point where I had to reach out to one Facebook group like 10 times until they said yes to me because I knew I had a right to be there. I knew that I was worthy and I knew that that community belonged to me as well, because I'm a small business without a brick and mortar, but my, my alcohol is still sold in that community. And it was not okay for them to tell me no. And so I just became, you know, just, just really unforgiving. And I threw myself out there and, um, I am now above water again. And I'm so excited because the second that things do open up, not only have I gained like new skill sets, have I personally gotten over my camera shyness, (laughs) In front of a camera, I mean, there's a lot of positive things that have come out of this. I I was very uncomfortable, and I was able to persevere through some really interesting transitions because of this. I can't tell you how soon I would be in front of a camera doing Thirsty Thursdays live had this not happened. Um, Yeah. And I probably wouldn't be pregnant right now (laughs) had this not happened, (laughs) you know? I mean, there's a lot of great things that have come out of this, and um, I think focusing on that is what's keeping me going.
0: That's I, I love your perseverance and your unwavering grit and how you don't let anyone tell you um, no, you know, and and, uh, and I feel like especially for women, sometimes we we ask for permission, you know, too many times to be in places we're supposed to be and we don't you know have sometimes that that push of being like no I belong here and and my voice should also be heard and and it's important so I I love I love hearing you say this and and I and I think it'll really resonate with a lot of our listeners um and do you my I have a question for you about the the social media aspect mm-hmm. in terms of customer acquisition do you feel like when things go back to normal that that this social media kind of stretch where you had done a lot of your marketing, th- that that this will continue or that it'll kind of return mostly back to just being an, an in person thing. Um, and and just do you think businesses in general are under uh, estimating and and, and under uh, the value of social media in general?
2: I think we're gonna go even stronger once the doors open to the restaurants on social media, because now we see what we can be capable of. And because we don't have a lot of money, I'm a one woman show right now. Um, I think once the doors open, we're going to have more revenue and I'll be able to actually invest a little bit more money in social media. So I actually want to go virtually a little bit more aggressively as soon as I can. I want to start spending more money on ads. I want to start having just a, a clear marketing budget, now that I know like what I can do with so little, I can't even imagine what we can do when we have much more. Right. And so I definitely, definitely see our strategy, um, continuing via our social like platforms. Absolutely. And then obviously once the doors open, I want to, I want to start hiring. Um, I have a team of brand ambassadors, but I don't have a full-time employee. I, I, I honestly haven't even paid myself a salary yet. And then I've been in business for, almost two years now since July 21st. So it's time to hopefully give myself a little salary and start hiring um, at least one full time person for sales.
1: And I want to be able to find that balance for sure. Absolutely. So I'm I'm curious, because as you came into this industry, uh, like a lot of founders, right, there's a lot that you had to learn about the industry at the same time that you were building within it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that can be really challenging when you're first launching is that you're looking to figure out if what if there's going to be demand for what you have. And in your case, in particular, you you have to search even through like an extra filter because you know that you have to educate people mm-hmm. before they realize that they want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I think then is is always a question for every founder is how do you create what metrics will represent meaningful traction to you, right? So how did you, not, not, I'm not just asking kind of like, what are the things that told you people were, were grabbing onto this idea, Mm -hmm. but when you set out and said, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and this is how I'm going to know that I'm on the right path. How did you approach that thought process?
2: It's funny because that, that was, so from even before Catan Peace School was finalized, the recipe, I had to consider this question, right? Like how? Um, I knew totally. that we were going to I knew that we needed to reach the consumers that were curious, right? But I also knew that people don't know what it is. So in Chile, you can actually distill Catan Pisco and make it look clear and distilled and, and beautifully like clear and translucent, or you can age it in oak and make it look more like a whiskey. So the first this was the first battle. How am I get how am I going to get just aesthetically speaking with my brand? and the bottle, how am I going to get people curious faster? I knew that the whiskey market was um, more male dominated because of my research. And then I also knew that vodka consumers had such a huge part of the market that I needed to make my Catan Pisco bottle and the color and I needed it to sparkle just like a vodka. So once I figured that out, I knew, okay, we are on the right track because we're starting to think that first before like you really need to get those things in place before you even launch a product because you want to really especially if you're doing something like a a hard alcohol that no one knows about you really got to try to think of yourself as i'm a consumer i'm not a maker i need to put myself in everybody else's shoes i don't know what this is i don't know where the hell it comes from i don't know what pisco or pisco is as some people call it and i really needed to put myself in their shoes so that was like the first battle so once i overcame that once we launched people started asking us, like, ooh, that's a pretty vodka bottle. What kind of vodka is that? Every time I heard that, I was so happy. I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. Like, mission accomplished. Actually, this is a vodka. And then the conversation begins. That's the very first thing when people don't know what Pisco is that they ask. And that leaves us open to the perfect answer, which is what it is. And the education starts right away. As simple as because of the aesthetic of the bottle – And the color of the Pisco that I decided to go with, which was a double distilled Pedro Jimenez distillation with a transparent, transparent, crystallized, um, you know, spirit. So, and the bottle is also frosted. So it looks like an upscale vodka, which is all very, very intentional.
0: Hmm. It's really cool to see how much, you know, thought and research you put behind all of this. And uh, for anyone out there who's like trying to start their own company, months, if not Sometimes a year worth of research is kind of required to make those very intentional decisions. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really great to hear you uh, to hear you talk about that. I'm I'm curious with in terms of customer acquisition. So before when you were you know delivering these bottles to the store and and you know they'd request a, a shipment every so many weeks or months, you could kind of measure customer retention as well Mm -hmm. uh but now when things have moved or since things have moved virtually how are you uh, not just measuring uh, customer acquisition, but also the retention of the customers that are that are ordering from you. Because you mentioned sometimes you'll you'll host these events, um, there will be a certain spike, you know, in in, in sales. But ha- has that kind of remained the same, or what have you done to to retain these customers?
2: I noticed that. Um, so the epicenter of Catan Pisco, we're located in Fulton Market, so we're really really centralized in the city. So um, what what hasn't failed us is the fact that the orders of Bini they're our biggest retailer partner that the orders that we keep getting every week are mostly centralized in the city So for example the South Loop, we know um, Lakeview we have um, basically Lincoln Park like all of the, the, the centralized binnies that are close to the epicenter are because of word of mouth the tastings everything that we started with right? and so now that we're doing a lot of virtual events I have expanded to four suburban suburban retailers like through Benny's. We are now in like four new accounts just because of our online efforts through our virtual during the pandemic. And I think it is very easy to measure that because I've never done a tasting out there. I never, I don't, I mean, Naperville is kind of far. There's some other places I've never even heard of that my husband and I had to drive over an hour away. I mean, there's these really awesome suburbs that I've never heard of and it's, because of our online efforts. And it's pretty awesome. Um, and it, it's just, it's really beautiful to see like, not only now that are we getting orders through like our epicenter downtown, but we're completely spreading. The only reason why that is happening is because of our virtual like an online efforts. Um, and I can't wait to just keep seeing it spread and keep getting reorders, you know? Um, word of mouth is huge. And I think what's happening also is people are doing Zoom parties. And I have some of my girlfriends always just, they make sure they always have a bottle of Catan Pisco in their virtual zooms. And then the curiosity begins. They're like, what are you thinking? Nice. What is that? And I have such an amazing support system here that this one girl in particular, her name is Amber Cardo. She's my friend first and real estate agent. She now starts giving away a bottle of Catan for every, um, every new client that closes a deal. So she's starting nice. to incorporate that as part of her closing transactions just to support me. And it's all those little things that are a win. And then she started making Pisco Palomas for her girlfriends. And then um, because of her, I got into three binnies near where she lives in Oak Park and River Grove. And I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see how one person like her can get us into three stores. And I know that was her, right? Because she has a big mouth, she has a huge network. She was able to really, really just support me. And I mean, I, I, one person can make a really big difference for a small business. And I don't realize, I don't think people know that. Um, and I think just making a switch in our, our consumer, we're very habitual creatures, right? So we're like very, very habitual creatures. So if I'm thirsty and I, if I usually go get a vodka, I go in and pick up a vodka, right? Instead of stopping and thinking, okay, we are in a pandemic right now. Who can I help? Nobody stops to think that way. It's very much a Tito. I have friends that come over my house, you guys. They bring me Tito's. And I'm like, hmm. Uh... What if you brought? I so I'm like I was like, what? What? What, are we, what? And it's not even my brand that offends me. I'm like, what if we could just teach people how to think differently? And so what I yeah. started doing with my Thirsty Thursdays live, I came up with an acronym. It's called TSS. Like it's not to- toxic shock syndrome, but it's TSS. And this is what I started <laughs> telling people: think before you drink, spy before you buy, and share because you care. And TSS. Think before you drink. Basically, before you go and drink something, what are you drinking? Think about it. How am I making a difference? How is this purposeful? How am I going to support a local community, especially now? Spy before you buy. If you're going to go buy a big vodka tequila brand, what if I did a little bit of research first? Because I want to make a difference. So I'm going to do research. Maybe there's an LGBT brand out there that I want to support because I want my community to thrive. What if there's a woman minority that I want to support I gotta let's do some research and then once you find a brand that you like, you share because you care and you just and that's how it begins and that's how you really build a, a purposeful brand So I started it's sharing that TSS TSS and now some of my followers know exactly what that means. That's
1: awesome. I love that yeah That's super
2: It's about shifting. Yeah, and it's about shifting. And it's really, really about being conscious consumers. We are just not. We're not. And I'm guilty of it. Until I started my own business, I was like, holy crap. I'm so guilty of this. I suck. But now I'm so purposeful. I support local like a motherfucker like (laughs) Like if if I'm if I want like Chinese food or if I want some pizza or if I want you know just even when it comes to restaurants like all right all right babe what's a local restaurant we can go to today what can we order from what can we do or all right let's go try out this new alcohol before I got pregnant let's go try out this local tiny whatever right like tequila company because it because it's local you know or wow Michigan there's one right next door cool like It really, really makes a difference. I think once you become an entrepreneur, I really think a lot of things shift and you just naturally become more conscious of, I think, everything you're buying, everything you support, everything you believe in.
0: Yeah. And especially the part where you say, you know, sharing is caring. Uh, I mean, y- you just mentioned it right now. The, the ripple effects from having one friend share your business and support your business wholeheartedly mm-hmm. um, is huge. Right. Um, and, I, and you're right. I don't think enough people make a conscious effort to, to, you know, very intentionally look very closely around them and be like, who's doing what that's really good for the world mm-hmm. um, that I can support.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. Guilty. And I think uh, just to kind of piggyback on that comment, Myrna, one of the things that I was thinking about um, as Catalina was, was talking about that is, you know, that the reality that I don't think most people realize just how powerful of an impact they can have on, mm-hmm. uh, especially small brands, right? Because if you have a smaller customer base, you really see the impact of those behavior changes. Mm-hmm. But, but one thing that, yeah you know, maybe to flip the way that we think of it, maybe this will help people to feel empowered that their decisions are impactful. Which yep. is that even when you see like big mass market campaigns that have gone viral, mm-hmm. they went viral because a lot of people were willing to share it with their friends. Mm-hmm. And so if you love something and you think that it's worthy of that kind of attention, the extremely actionable way you can do that is to share it with your friends. Mm
2: hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I recently applied for a grant, um, which during the pandemic, I didn't qualify for any loans. Um, the PPP was out of the question because I didn't have a paycheck to protect <laughs> since I don't pay myself. I didn't qualify for any local, um, any lotteries. I didn't win anything. And so there's this, the Women's Business Development Center. Um, I'm women business enterprise uh, certified nationally. And so they were doing a pivoting pitch competition so I applied for the competition I did a video and I posted it the only way to get to the top 13 which was the final final round was to get people to vote for me right so this is me again using um, and capitalizing on my social media platforms I'm like hey everybody Um, and being vulnerable is not a bad thing I was very vulnerable like guys I haven't I haven't qualified for any grants. I have nothing, you know, like I have, right now I just have me in my business, but I haven't qualified for anything. So this is an opportunity for me to win a grant to keep us going, pay my overhead costs. Um, and so we had, we out of a hundred, it must've been like 170 um, entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs that applied only 13 made it to the finals because of these votes. I had like 30 people share my post and I made it to the finals and I ended up Pitching for the final round, and I am now um, one of the grant winners of $6,000 because of that. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. So now, so I'm just, I mean, the, the community has been amazing. And I think asking is not a bad thing. Asking for help right now, asking and just, you know, being, like you said, unwavering and unforgiving um, is now, it's, it's, now is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably one of the best qualities in in a successful entrepreneur, uh, at least to my opinion, is n- never really like settling for uh, the status quo and and being really scrappy and. You know, when, when doors shut in your face, you're like, I'm going to find a way to make it work rather than just being like, you know what, well, I'm like, I can't do it. You know, there's this, there's that, there's shutdown, you know, how are people going to drink? I think, I think it would have been really easy to, to just give up and be like, I'll get a job and pick back up when things are normal. And, uh, for you to not do that, uh, must've taken a lot of strength and, uh, it's, it's very inspiring. And I really, I really love hearing your story and seeing uh, how much effort you've put into transforming your business over the last few months and all the really great unexpected kind of side effects that came from that.
2: Yeah. And I did think about it, Myrna, what you said. Like I did think about should I get a part-time job? Like I even applied to one, you know, even if it was just like a part-time gig to keep us above water. um, I did think about it and um, I... You know, I, I then decided, no, this is my baby. I'm, If I'm not 100% in this and I'm 50 50, like, I just feel like I'm cheating myself, you know? And I could be poor for a little longer. Luckily, my husband's amazing and he's like, okay, let's do this, you know? I, I had to have that conversation, but um, I'm definitely poor, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing 110% of the way. Because the second I give 50% somewhere else, I'm not here, I'm there. And I, I just yeah. feel so guilty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you talk a lot about having, you know, the, a great support system around you and that's something Kennedy and I, you know, talk a lot about a lot and it's something that comes up uh, very regularly in our episodes is surrounding yourself by the right people who understand what you're doing and understand that, you know, road bumps and, and failure is a part of the process and who encourage you and support you anyway. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things in, in your entrepreneurial journey is surrounding yourself with that community. So mm-hmm. um, very happy to hear that you have that.
2: Yeah. I, I would, I, I, if there was like one piece of advice I would give like a new entrepreneur or someone deciding to start a business, I would definitely say get a group of, um, Give. I, I have an advisory board, I call them. They, they have sweat equity in the company because they do things that I cannot do. And I found a branding strategist advisor. Um, I have a PR, Nina Foley is my PR advisor. And then I have uh, Karina Martinez who does my social media and growth management advising. And they are not only like my backbone, they they are who I vent to, they are who I cry to, they are who I can be confused with. They are a group of people that have things that I don't, that have made me not only like stronger, but they are that backbone and that support system that every entrepreneur needs because you can, I mean, they're a group of people I trust that I can cry to and that, I mean, really, really pick me up. If I need a venting session, I literally, I text one of them. I'm like, can I vent to you right now? They're like, yeah, sure. They call me right away and we talk and they're like, okay, so let's look at the situation. This is okay. And then they make, they just make me feel better. They know what to say to pick me up. Like, that's it. We're going to make mistakes along the way, you know? And to, to be surrounded. But what's so cool about them is that like I pick them because I knew they were right for me, right? Like I, I specifically pick them because they have something that I don't. And I think that's another thing that every business owner should know is that if they know their strengths, they should also very much recognize their weaknesses and find a group of people that can balance them out to be able to help them thrive even more so because there's no way I could be where I'm at by myself. There's no way. And so I'm just super grateful for my team um, because, yeah, I think every every business owner should should have that support.
1: Totally. No, and I, th- I think that's actually something that um, – it's very analogous when you are talking about how to find a good advisory board and advisors for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings up a lot of the same things that came up in our episode about co-founder dating, which mm-hmm. is that you need to find somebody who has a skill set that's going to complement yours, not be redundant to yours. Absolutely. Um And if you're bringing somebody in whose skill set is redundant, then you need to ask yourself, okay, is it that they leverage me to do more because I don't need to do as many of these tasks and now I can dive deeper into the ones that I'm doing. Um, But I think that's a great point. You should always be kind of cross mapping where where your company needs skill support. And that's Mm -hmm. going to be wherever you feel like your skills need to be leveled up
2: hmm And, and it's okay that like, if I fail at something, I know that one of them is going to succeed in it and I'm okay with that because they're, they're the ones that pick me up. Right. If I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with this because I know they have a skill set that I don't, whether it comes like branding or design or just making a decision, um, it's it's pretty awesome when you can just humble out and be like, okay, I suck at this, <laughs> you know, but knowing where to go so I can navigate where the success, how I'm going to get to that successful point is definitely crucial. That's so funny. I like that dating um, co-founders. Exactly. I dated my advisors before I hired yeah. them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, and you, you have to vet each other, you know, yep. you figure out like when we disagree, are we still going to want to be together the next day? Like there's all of these mm-hmm. things to figure out about it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Catalina. This has been so inspiring uh, on, on so many levels. Um, and I, I think people are going to really enjoy hearing your story um, and feel like the world is theirs and there's nothing that they can't do because that's how I feel right now. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, I will definitely reach out to you about one of those classes. We, we might need to do a podcast one at some point. Um, so with, and we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll be joining you on one of your, um, Thirsty Thursdays, um, on, on your Instagram for sure awesome. to, to get some of that, uh, you know, those cocktail lessons. We're doing a virtual Absolutely.
2: Pisco party on the, on July 28th, it's our two year anniversary. And since we can't be in person, I'm going to um, be hosting Catan's Pisco party, two year anniversary virtual. Um, so I, I will send you the details if you guys
1: want to join on that as well for the Pisco party. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and just really quickly for anyone listening who's wanting to, to join you on a Thirsty Thursday, uh, what's your Instagram handle and what time do you typically host Thirsty Thursdays?
2: So it's um, at Catan Pisco on Instagram. And it's anywhere between 5 and 6 p.m. depending on um, your time zone. So um, last week it was 5 o'clock Central Standard Time which is, I guess, for 3 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard in California. We're still playing around with the times to see what works because now that people are starting to come back to work, California, we might need to push it back to get more you know, viewers. But just, um, just follow our Catan Pisco Instagram page and um, we'll post all the details right there. Perfect.
0: And when your episode airs, we'll make sure to also post about this and link all your information there for people. Um for so it's so it's easier to reach you and find you. So awesome. And um, it's every other Thursday.
2: So we're to uh, gotcha. every gotcha Thursday. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you ladies for uh, having me.
2: I appreciate it. And I hope you get some Pisco in your hands, Katan in your hands soon enough. Yes,
0: yeah. we will. Yes, we will. Awesome. Bye bye.
2: Take care. Bye guys.